Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being, we do the hard work and then we share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep, we're not experts in anything that we talk about. This is just a summary of what we found out. Uh, But hopefully by sharing some of that knowledge with you, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Sounds good to me, Liam. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is... The Eurovision Song Contest. I don't remember that song. I need to, I need to look that song up. But here we go. So, Liam, this week we're talking about the Eurovision Song Contest. You obviously know a little bit about this. You sound like you're a bit of a keen fan there. That little tune is from Moldova's song in 2010. And in my research, I was watching some old video, some videos of like crazy acts. And I, that song has not got out my head this week. And I don't know if it was a meme or it became the backing track to a bunch of stuff. But it's a guy playing a saxophone on stage and it's, that's just the music. So if anyone knows what that is, let me know. So would you, <laughs> would you class yourself then this week as a Eurovision aficionado? Like you, you're well in, you, you no. run, because you run your annual Eurovision party, don't you, every year where you get everyone along and... No, no, I think I'm a lapsed member. I think I watched it a lot when I was younger, like in my, maybe like 20 years ago or something. I think I did, I... I distinctly remember us watching it once before we had a night out somewhere. I remember it being on the telly. Like, so I, I no, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've seen it. You can't miss it, really, know. can you? No, it's I coming don't... up, isn't it? That's, it's part of the reason that we've picked it. It is, it is going to be, it's on the horizon. Um, I think it's the 13th of May, is it, this year? Yes, it is, happening in Liverpool. Yeah, so it's on the horizon, so we thought we should probably do this keep it fresh in everybody's mind but no I don't I mean I've seen it I, I don't know if I could tell you much about it about yourself no. similar yeah I've yeah obviously you can't avoid it so I obviously know what the Eurovision song contest is seen bits and pieces I wouldn't say I'm a fan but I mean you get some cheesy European music uh it comes down to it but loads of people love it it's super popular and I, I know that loads of people love it and it's um yeah a singing competition isn't it in essence. Yeah, with the countries of Europe and randomly Australia. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get onto that and, in a little bit. <laughs> and some countries that we were debating whether they were even in Europe. Like. <laughs> but it's definitely the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't it? So let's get on with it then. Do you want to tell everybody what is the Eurovision Song Contest? Well, it's an annual international song competition organized by the European Broadcasting Union and participated in by various countries in Europe and sometimes from other parts of the world. Started in 1956, known for flamboyant performances, elaborate stage designs, and quite often some political controversies. Yeah, in a nutshell, that's what it is, isn't it? Nailed I found it. it quite interesting that it's... It's the European Broadcasting Union. I don't think I really realised any of this 
and we'll we'll come on to this in a little bit about who goes forward for it but it's it's the European Broadcasting Union and then each country's main broadcaster put somebody forward into this competition don't they yeah so our, we're in England so the BBC are the main broadcasting like the is it the national broadcasting company or something I don't know what you what, what you word you would use um, yeah, but it's it's not like it's put forward by record labels or the oh, music no, industry no, no. or it's, you know, it's not Simon Cowell putting people forward. It is, it's done by the national broadcaster of each country yeah. putting forward yeah. an act to, to participate. Although that act might have been selected using Simon Cowell, for example. You know, they will have used experts to pick an act because everybody wants to win it. But yeah, their job is to say, representing the United Kingdom this year is... So I say, yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. And then each country does each country's broadcaster does the same thing. They all present um, an act. You end up with what, like 43, 44 acts or something, because just about every country does it. And uh, then we're up and running. Definitely. And the, the whole reason for it, I was having to look into it, is well, like, almost like what's the purpose of doing this then? And it's it's more about that whole, you know, peace and togetherness and, you know, diversity and, and, and wanting to bring everybody together almost no matter what, what the, the background or, or whatever it might be. It's just that oneness, isn't it? I mean, they, the Eurovision Song Contest, they talk about their own key values, don't they, and, and why they do it? Yeah, they, they talk about their values of being universality and inclusivity. Um, and they're proud. They celebrate diversity, don't they? Um, that's what they say. We celebrate diversity through music, which is pretty nice, I think. It sort of came together, didn't it, after the war? I mean, and we know we said it's like middle of the 50s. I know that's a little bit after the, the main, you know, the World War II, but everything's starting to sort of come back together, isn't it? And yeah. Was, you know, a push to try and, like you were saying, like togetherness. Yeah, I, I quite like one of the things about it as well and how everyone knows it is, it is the longest running international TV contest. You know, it's been going wow. on for that long. So if we're saying, yeah, 1956, and it was like, yeah, a complete message of unity and peace across all different borders, going back to 1956. But how it actually started, and the reason for doing it, I had no idea about this, but I think it's brilliant. And it was started as a technical TV experiment. Yeah, they basically, they created a network. It was called the Eurovision Network, which is where the Eurovision Song Contest gets its name. I mean, it was created in 1954. And the point was, they were basically like, like they, they linked up their television networks, didn't they, essentially? A bunch of countries. They finally, you know, now we take it for granted that we can watch something if we wanted to from Spain on the telly. If, yeah. if we wanted to find it, you could find it. But back then it was seriously brand new. Um, so these these few countries sort of linked together to create what was called the Eurovision Network, and then it became um, it became like an experiment in in can we present something that is live, interconnected between us all, show the exact same thing in every country at the same time, that sort of thing, not yeah, on a time like delay and all that, you know, a simultaneous live broadcast across Europe. Yeah, and yeah, and as you said, in the 1950s, that was mind blowing. So they they had this European Broadcasting Union that was put together. And, and the whole point of having this European Broadcasting Union in the first place is that then it was more cost effective for countries to come together and then share their programming. So 
sharing the programming material or shows or whatever it was they were doing or news. So if there were news images of something that was going on in a different country, they could then easily share that those images um, and reports with the other people within this European Broadcasting Union. So that's why they sort of had the this EBU in the first place. And yeah, thought they would run this, this competition. And they they stole the idea really from a musical competition that was already happening in Italy. Yeah, the the Festival di San Remo, I believe, is the one that we're talking about. I like the inspiration it. For the contest. Uh yeah, it was a just a, a musical competition in a small seaside resort town. There was also something called the Venice International Song Festival, which was quite similar. But they were so both of them were happening in Italy at the time. So the idea was, you know, if we're going to put something together, they sort of took that as their inspiration, didn't they? As this, this is working in Italy. Let's put together our own sort of music competition, but we'll put it together between us all. And and that's what they did. But it wasn't held in Italy, was it? No, no, they they actually held it in Switzerland. And when you're saying about we, you know, we'll put this together in the very first one, there are only seven nations that were competing. And so as Liam was saying earlier, you know, it's pretty much all of Europe and some other some other countries, Australia and that now. But in the very first one, it was only seven nations, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Belgium, Germany, France, Luxembourg and Italy. Um, apparently, in the very first one, the Austria and Denmark, they wanted to take part, but they missed the deadline to enter. And the UK said, sorry, we're too busy. We're running our own contest this year, so we're not going to join in. But yeah, you're right. They they decided to run it in Switzerland, basically because they were seen as a, you know, geographically a central place in Europe. And it would be the, the most sensible place from a, from a transmission point of view, in terms of technology and the, the terrestrial transmitters that they would need to then run this live experiment. Yeah, it was easier technologically to do it in Switzerland because that being more central, you know, this was an experiment after all. I guess they had to, I don't know, send the television signals not so far because they're yeah. sort of in the middle. Interestingly, it was hosted in Italian though. Yes. Um, and they held it in Lugano, which is quite an Italian. It has quite a lot of uh, Italian influences. So it was, it was you know, they, they knew they were copying something from Italy. And they, I think there was a, a sort of a push to, to keep it Italian. Or, yeah. or sort of certainly yeah, influenced yeah. by it. In the in the first few contests that were held, it was very much so and, and obvious that the, the singers who were competing would then sing in their own native tongue as well. So, yeah. you know, very much it was all about, you know, national identity and, you know, representing your country. But then they then realised as it got more universal and to grow in popularity and maybe have a song that people would understand more or resonate with more people, they would then start writing more and more and having more and more songs in English. And they, um, it was actually officially a rule that you had to sing in one of your national languages between 1966 and 1972. And then again, between 1978 and 1998, randomly. So for quite a long time, that's, that's how many, like 26 of the years or something, they had to sing uh, using a national language. And in the, is, very, the very first few they were submitting two songs per yeah. country per broadcast. Yeah. If you think there's only seven, there's only seven uh, broadcasters that were involved, they then needed to spread it out a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise it'd be over very quickly. 
Didn't one of them give a really long song though? Yes. Who was it? It was like five, five and a half minutes or something. Yeah, and well, we'll we'll let everyone know. They they uh, are the reason why there are some strict rules in place now to ensure that we don't have another five and a half minute song in place. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's something I'd want to sit through. Do you know one of the there, there's so much trivia that you get from Eurovision? Um, I was reading this week when we're talking about languages that there have been three songs that have been included in Eurovision that are in made-up languages. Oh, wow. So it's just in gobbledygook what they've done. So Belgium have done it twice, actually, in 2003 and 2008, and the Netherlands have done it once in 2006. So, yeah, there's uh, it, it's not there always was, um, in, in a national language. What, what they realised was that, obviously, other countries are voting for them. So there's lots of songs that, although they're not necessarily in complete gobbledygook, they use, like phrases that ever you know like la 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 yep then pop but you know like words that everybody knows because they know that that's going to get them a vote or what, help to get them a vote what was your example just then la 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 bing pop bang there's one there's something like that isn't there one called i read it i can't remember well, i haven't got it in front of me now keep, keep going keep riffing tell us what, what have you got no, what else yeah. is popular uh do da dee da <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I read it and then I'm sure I wrote it down, but I can't find it. So I'm not going to bother going into any more. But yeah, that was a, it was common that that would happen. Definitely. It was Abra in 1974, apparently, that really broke the mould. Not singing in Swedish. They sang Waterloo and won. Um, and the entire song was in English. They're, um, they, they got a bit famous, didn't they? They are definitely well known, aren't they, for being <laughs> from Eurovision. Yeah, but I mean, they, they really got somewhere because, you know, there's quite a lot of acts that, you never hear from again, I don't think. But obviously, they're off the back of it, there are some pretty famous people or acts that have uh, done it, I suppose. Um, so we were saying just then about this five-minute song, and then you mentioned that actually there are some rules in place to sort of eliminate this. Do you want to mention, you know, bullet points and rules? Yeah. So let's let's start then. So the first rule around the length of the song. So it cannot be any longer than three minutes. The duration cannot be any longer than three minutes. And it's, as you said, it was in 1957. I think it was actually Italy that submitted a song that was, yeah, over five minutes long. So they thought, right, that's going to take too long. So, yeah, a strict rule. And these these are really strict rules that you need to follow. The song cannot exceed three minutes. Yeah, they've got to sing them, haven't they? Like live, which I think is pretty, like lead vocals must be performed live. The rest of it can be a backing track or something. Interestingly, though, on that, up until the end of the 90s, so for about the first 40 years, every song was performed with an orchestra. Yes. Like a live orchestra. And acts would bring their own conductor. But it meant there are conductors who've won lots of times because they've just conducted for lots yeah. of different people and lots of different winners. Um, but yeah, lead vocals must be performed live. Um, so yeah, not, not lip-synced. And the person singing the lead vocals needs to be on stage. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? So it can't be yeah. that you've got someone amazing singing off stage. The person who's actually responsible in singing needs to be front and centre visible. They can't be uh, behind. In terms of people who are on stage, so you can have no more than six people that can take part in the performance. Yep. I think you're allowed backing dancers and things like that, but what you're talking about like actual performers. Yep. Um, as in like the band itself or or whatever it might be, can only have six. You 
cannot use a song that has been released before. So it shouldn't have been performed in public or you shouldn't be taking a sample from another really well-known song already. It should be an original song that's being submitted. They can say because of social media now, you might have put some music out there online and somebody might have heard of it. So the judges can then decide if it's then eligible. Like if you just had a little song that nobody's heard of, but you've put it on YouTube, then you'd be all right with it. But if you've got a number one hit from a country already, yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to submit it. Okay. And uh, yeah, the songs have to be submitted by March the year before. So the contest this year is in May. They would have already had to have submitted all their songs by March. And you need to be 18 years of older when the grand final takes place. But there have been a couple of exceptions, haven't there? Yeah, not always. Pretty sure Belgium won it when they were really little, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> A Belgian act lied and said they were 16 because at the time it was 16, but they were actually 13. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty young, isn't it? But those, yeah, those those rules have been, um, yeah, stipulated and in place now that that that's the them's the rules. You need to you need <laughs> to you need to conform to them. Yep. Okay. Um. So, like we said about the song, like how do the songs get picked? Like who? Who represents France? Like, how does how does France get a get a Eurovision act? I think it's that the the broadcasters, because we were saying it's not record labels and what have you. The broadcasters, you know, representing the country, they're f- quite free to some extent, aren't they? To then put forward whoever they want to to be representing, and you can go about picking your country's representative in any manner that you see fit, really. Yeah, that's exactly it. They can they can do whatever they want. Um, so t- BBC, for example, in England, they might just say it's this person who we are who we are sending to the Eurovision. It might be that they have a whole program leading up to it, like a big competition, a big singing competition, where the prize is the winner represents the UK in Eurovision, and that's quite common in quite a few other countries: Portugal, Sweden, Albania. They've got like quite big, well known like national TV programs where, where that is the, the prize. Uh, but the, the, the uh, European Broadcasting Union strongly encourages participating broadcasters to engage the public with the selection of a participant for the Eurovision Song Contest. Quote. Yeah. So uh, they, they, want, they, want, um, you know, they want they want the public to be involved in picking their act. That makes sense, so doesn't it? Because then if, if the public are already bought into it and they then believe in their act it's more likely that yeah. they'll then want them to win in the final. They'll be more engaged as an audience um, for the final. Yeah. So yeah. So then, so you've got this competition, you've put forward an act to represent your, your broadcasters to represent your country. You've met the rules and the criteria. And then if we then look at like what actually happens then, what happens on, on the night and what you've got is you've got a maximum of 44 members are allowed to participate and they're fighting to get themselves into the final 26. But there's, we're saying that they're, they're competing to get through. This was news to me. And I, I think this is a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is to describe this, but it's a controversy. Well, a little bit dodge, but there are some countries that are guaranteed to go to the final straight away, aren't they? Do what they want. France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom are guaranteed to be in the final every year. The reason being they pay more money 
they make a bigger financial contribution towards the contest. So every country has to pay some money towards the hosting of it and towards the European Broadcasting Union and Eurovision. We, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Italy and Spain all pay more to a point where, okay, you can just be in it normally. Yeah, you, you but guaranteed. doesn't mean that they've got the best song, does it? It's a little bit dodge. It could be that you've got one of those other 44 members. They've actually got a better song, but they've yeah. just not paid enough money so they don't get in. So before, before I think it was 2004, when it wasn't as big as it is now, they, they just, everybody, there was just a final. Um, I think they did some vetting to perhaps eliminate a couple of acts, but back then it was just, there's a Eurovision Song Contest, it's one big contest, everybody's there. Then, as more and more people are getting in, they've now got to have semi-finals, don't they? So if you, if you watch it, you will see the, the main show, the final happens on a Saturday, but on the Thursday and Tuesday before that, they have semi-finals, whereby approximately 10 of each semi-final get through to the final. Yes. Yep. To, to, to join these other five countries that we know will automatically, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom will automatically be in the final. So there's like 20 or 21 spots up for grabs in the semis. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so they, they, they whistle them down effectively, don't they? And they're, they're live finals, aren't they? So they're, they're not broadcast, but they've got an audience there um, and people watching them with, with what's going on. So yeah, there, there's a bit of a run up. And then, so this year, there will actually be, is it 25 acts are in the final this year? Last year, there were 25. I Last think year. that might be because <clears throat> Russia weren't in it for obvious reasons. I think yep. maybe they pulled out. Um, so I think it might have gone from 26 to 25. I'm sure there were 25 last year though. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's a bit negligible debating that, isn't it? Whether it's 25 or 26. <laughs> <laughs> and then what they do is they, the running order. So to decide who sings when, when you then get down to the the final, the grand final night that then happens is what they used to do is um, prior to 2013, it just used to be a random draw. So just pick names out of a hat effectively and go, right, you're performing at this point, your number four out of 26. But what they've decided to do since 2013 is the producers who are running the show, they then decide what the running order should be. So they they want to make okay. sure that they then have a what they determine as a more exciting show and making yeah. sure that you don't have too many like similar styles or similar tempos will be performed together or or after each other. So they're trying to make it a better show. Yeah. So maybe you've got like the donut acts going second and then a good act third, then another donut <laughs> act for, you know, to spread them out. You know, those absolute bonkers ones. A little fact for you on the running order. The country that has performed second has never won. Uh, I was going to say that. That was literally the next thing I was going to I've got that written down. I must say that fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cursed. Also, Cyprus have never won. There's another one at you. Cyprus have got the worst, <laughs> the worst record or something. They've, they've been the most times without winning. Cyprus are the worst. Like losers. And if, if we're talking about this, I've got to throw it in there then, that Norway is, they've ended last nine times. So they've yeah that, they, is that worse what's worse not winning yeah. or coming last actual last <laughs> loads of times <laughs> i don't know yeah maybe maybe yeah cyprus's one is even worse so so we're in the final we're down to our last 26 
this is one of the things I wanted to know is how on earth does the voting happen? Because I've seen it, you know, numbers pinging all over the place. What on earth is going on with the scoring system? And I know you're going to throw it back at me. Do you have any idea how the scoring works? <laughs> well, it's numbers. If it's to do with numbers, surely that's that's your bag, surely. But um, but I can I can have a little stab at it. Where what what they do is is the countries they are voting for their favourite acts, and it the highest points you can award another country you cannot vote for yourselves, which makes yeah. sense. The the highest points you can award for another country is twelve points. And then yeah. it's 10 points, eight points, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. And then once they've then done that, they then get submitted and compiled and then all put together and then read out. But there's there have been some some changes over the years, and they've now got two parts to it, haven't they? They've got a telecast vote and a jury vote. Yeah. So when it's being shown, so there's the two separate votes happen. So the United Kingdom, as us watching it, we will. There will be two votes. There will be a vote, the public vote. So we will be able to vote via app or via a phone call or on the internet or by the red button. Probably back in the day, we can vote just the people watching the telly at home. Yeah. And the the best act that is voted for by the public gets twelve points and then ten points, eight, and so on. But there's a so that's that's one vote. Then there's a separate vote. There are they're called the jury. And there are five professional people, you know, people from the music industry in England, five of them who we don't know who they are. UK. Uh, they, sorry, in the UK. Uh, they will also make a vote on their favourite acts. Now, obviously, quite, you know, sometimes they're the same as each other. Um, but what it means is we, as the United Kingdom, can give a country a maximum of 24 points. They would get 12 points from the public if the public say they're really good, and then you, they could also get 12 points from the jury vote if the jury also say they're really good. Yes. And then on the night, what they do is they start by the jury. Ah, this is interesting. The jury make their vote the night before, though, during the dress rehearsal. Do you know that? Yeah. So the it is interesting. that And another one of these rules, there are loads of rules that go with it. We've We've read out the most important ones. Another rule that they have for the whole thing is that you're – your semi-final and dress rehearsal shows need to be identical to what you'll perform in the final, which makes sense when you're saying that the jurors actually do their votes based on the on the semi-final. Yeah, so they the jury, the these professionals, each country has a jury of five people, five professional people within the music industry. They make their votes based on the final dress rehearsal. Sorry, I said, um, sorry, I said um, based on the semi-final there. No, it's the dress rehearsal, yeah. Yeah, based on the final dress rehearsal and they get submitted. And then on the night during the grand final, if you watched it, the first thing that comes up on the screen, the first score that comes up on the screen is the jury scores. So they've already been submitted. They're already in. So they, you know, you can get 12 points from each country. Jury score comes up and then they start running through the public vote, which is a bit exciting. Yeah. And there can be differences, can't there? So we, we saw that last year for example. Yeah, so they're all released. They, they Every score gets released. So, for example, last year, the juries, all of the juries of all of the different countries, so every country can vote whether they're in the final or not. Every country votes. All the juries actually put the United Kingdom first. So, so that was Sam Ryder, wasn't it? That was Sam Ryder with Spaceman. 
Yeah, so the professionals put us in first place. And what you can see, it tells you how we scored 283 points. Um, you know, we got um, seven or eight 12s and then a bunch of 10s and a bunch of 8s. So the juries all thought we were really good. Germany were last. Germany actually scored no points. So the juries gave Germany zero. Do you need to point that out, Liam? Do you? Come on. And then Sweden were second, Spain <laughs> were third, Ukraine fourth, Portugal fifth. So that came up on the screen. I actually watched this last night. So that came up on the screen. They were like, oh, here are the jury scores. Right, now what we're going to do is we're going to start telling you what the public voted, how the public voted. So this is where it got interesting. They, start, they started at the bottom. So Germany were worse. So they said, right, the public gave Germany six points. So Germany scored six. So all the publics, all the different public votes from all the 40 or so countries, they gave Germany six points. And then they just went through them one at a time until they got to the Ukraine at the end, who scored blimmin' boatloads. They got 12s from nearly every country. Nearly every, all 40 countries nearly gave Ukraine, like, 12 best one. Yeah. So, they ended, so, they ended up so, so that was Kalush with their song Stefania, which there might be some reasons behind the voting for the Ukraine. Like, was it genuinely the best song or... There obviously was the the invasion by Russia, and so there would have been a lot of empathy yeah. and, and sympathetic voting that would have been taking place there as well, quite understandably. Yeah, and um, we'll talk about this later, but there's obviously other controversies about Eurovision where people just vote for their mates. Um, Albania, for example, this year voted that Greece was the best song. Uh, no, hardly anybody else gave Greece any points. They yeah. gave them 12, and they hardly got any points from anybody else. <laughs> Which is yeah, crazy, right? But so the, the way that the the votes are then presented, so what what they what they used to do was uh, the, the votes would then then be presented and they'd be read out, and each country would be talking about their results for every other country, going from twelve down to to one, and they'd be saying it in English and in French, and you know the, the spokesperson for that country who's usually. You know, then a you know a famous broadcaster or musician or journalist that they've then got up doing the doing the results for each country, and it took forever, and yeah. it's super super boring for everybody. And so the Eurovision they they recognise this, and actually in 1981, Italy boycotted the festival because they said it was too boring, it was too old fashioned and too boring. They didn't want to be part of it, and so they're always trying to push forward and change like how how they present stuff and what they do. And then this is why the public vote and voting on the app and everything has come back and them just presenting they, the most important results. They also now allow the rest of the world to vote because this is, it's really popular and it's shown in tons of other countries. They've now, they let the rest of the world vote and then their vote all gets put together as essentially like an extra country. Like what was your rest of the world score? Yep. Um yeah, and also they've removed the jury vote from the semi-finals as an experiment this year to see whether that does anything. So they've basically said, let's remove these professionals voting. Let's just let the public vote. We'll just let them vote, whatever they think is best. So the semi-finals this year will be a little bit different to see. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Sounds good. We have said it a couple of times that they've they've thrown in Australia there as well, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'd read that was basically because it was really popular in Australia, and Australia yeah. have always shown it randomly, and uh, and it's just really popular, and just 
they went they let them be, join in as like a special guest and yeah, on, the, on the everything. 60th anniversary of it they just said do you want to be part of it and was that an like, australian accent well it sounded it. like it didn't it yeah mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll be part of it um so yeah so they they then are part of it as well but yeah it's growing and growing it's it's getting more and more popular it seems with trying to make it more more inclusive and then things like you were saying where taking it away from the judges from the voting and putting it in the public it then gets the public more bought into it and some of the the viewing figures from last year so it was the 66th edition of it last year it was in Italy in Turin um and they they had 161 million people watch the three live shows across 34 different wow. markets so it's pretty big you can see see why people want to get into it oh we probably should have made a point saying so last year the ukraine won it and the ukraine should be hosting it this year shouldn't they yeah the winner always hosts that's just tradition so the winner always hosts but for obvious reasons ukraine can't host um so we actually did come second so i think that's why we're hosting it right I think yeah, so, I think I think they put it out and said did you know who wanted to to host it and then yeah, yeah. we Liverpool uh, ended up winning it. But they're they're seeing there's there's a massive um switch as you would expect to loads of like online viewing as well and like the, the number of viewers and audience figures, they're trying to get younger audience figures and people watching it through YouTube and you know embracing all the social media channels as well. Like one of the things they were saying is that they had a 189 million videos. Uh, watched across different social media platforms and all the engagement is like going up massively. They had 8 million tweets, which was double what they had the previous year. So they're reporting that's directly from the the Eurovision website. They're reporting that it's, it's going up and up in in view. It's a bit like hosting when we talked about like the world cup, isn't it? Because between acts, there's always those little clips of, of, in this case, it would be Liverpool, wouldn't it? You know, here's a shot of a fancy looking shopping mall and then here's a shot of a lovely looking field and oh isn't you know they, they, it's promotion tourism you know that sort of thing so it's it's I guess, I guess in their interest to uh but obviously to host you've got to win so you've got to have a good act they were saying that there were 42.3 million unique viewers across 232 countries and territories across the on their youtube channel of the week of last year's contest so uh, that's just on, on the YouTube channel. So yeah, this is going massive. But it isn't without controversy though, is it? There are there have been controversy very often politically uh, led or, or isn't yeah. it? Um, there actually are, and, uh, one of the reasons some countries pull out because of other countries are in, um, even before this, the, you know, the Ukraine and Russia were at war, they, they weren't very happy with each other. They... They'd ban each other from being, you know, if one of them hosted, the other one couldn't turn up. Um, Ukraine was hosting it one year and, and an act had performed in Crimea, which is like, then they couldn't perform in, they banned them. Um, countries have actually pulled out this year because of the costs of it. So we said about it, people having to pay fees this year, because Russia were not in it, all the other countries have got to pay more money to take yeah. part. So, yeah. Northern Macedonia, Montenegro, and Bulgaria have announced they will not be competing this year because of the fees and such. So talking about the, the funding of it, apparently it all kicked off as well, just with the situation at the moment, like in the, the economy, inflation, and interest rates and everything, that when when it was released that British taxpayers would have to 
contribute up to 31 million to fund the Eurovision Song Contest this year. And the government was subsidizing it by paying 10 million pounds towards the towards the event. You know, people were, you know, some people were up in arms. It was probably about five tweets. But yeah, people were up, up in arms about it, <laughs> saying that, you know, why is why so much money being pointed towards that? Yeah. Um one year, well, you know, controversies, you just you find quite a lot of them. One year, Georgia had a song called We Don't Want to Put In, which was deemed to be a, a dig at Putin. We don't want to put in. Um, ah, very was, good. That was uh, caused a bit of an uproar. Um, Israel being in it, uh, like lots of places, lots of countries for a long time didn't even recognize Israel as a country. So... There was issues about like would they broadcast it, which is uh, you know another thing. There's been things around LGBTQ plus issues as well, where yeah. countries aren't maybe as diverse or on board with with that, and so they then sometimes haven't even shown the acts when they've been appearing live. They'll just cut to a, a TV advert break or just speak with the hosts or whatever. For, yeah. for a, was for it Conchita, Conchita Worst? Conchita Worst. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, probably lots of lots of countries were not happy, I guess, broadcasting that. There was another one that they had last year. So the winners last year, was it was it Manskin? Mainskin? Yeah. So they won it. Do yeah. you remember that the, the TV cameras panned to the winner, like in the green room or whatever, and the oh, main yeah. singer for there, the lead singer, Damiano David, was captured by TV cameras. He was hunched over and looked like he had sniffed some drugs. Uh, which he then yeah. denied and said he was just checking there was a broken glass on the floor. So yeah, there, there <laughs> is some controversy that, that goes another, along with it. Talking about the voting, a few countries got found out last year for voting for each other, which you know has long been rumoured to be happening. You know, lots of countries in the Eastern Bloc will vote for each other. Uh, you know, it would happen quite often. The Balkans would all vote for each other. Well, there was evidence this year. Azerbaijan, Georgia, Montenegro, Poland, Romania, and San Marino, their votes were discarded because they basically just all voted for each other. <laughs> so Poland, Azerbaijan, this, this was their um, juries, right? Not from their their public. It wasn't their public vote. It was in their last juries. year. In last year. In yeah. the yeah. So Azerbaijan's professional musician juries voted for in order: Poland, Georgia, Romania, Montenegro, and San Marino. Georgia's professional juries voted for Azerbaijan, Montenegro, Romania, San Marino, and Poland. Romania's voted for San Marino, Poland, Montenegro, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. Like, <laughs> just like ignoring any, you know, any skill or, or any good songs from any other countries. Just... <laughs> Definitely no bias there, or no no agreement in place to just vote for each other. No, so they basically just eliminated their, you know, they weren't allowed to vote. They took them out. Yeah, which is uh, pretty crazy. No, that that makes sense. Um, what what else have you got in terms of like any other like random trivia that you've got? I, I this this made sense for me as well, and we sort of said it near near the beginning that the acts that also sing are pretty much always completely unknown, and it's deliberate yeah. because you know imagine if we then sent Adele there or sent One Direction or whoever it might be. They would just get all the votes, wouldn't they? So it's deliberate yeah. that the person needs to be unknown, and then it's then based on the song that they're then putting forward. Well, like Eurovision trivia, I think I might have 
found more facts about this than any other topic we've done. It's just there's so many like little random facts. Maybe the World Cup had sort of similar things. Like um, Luxembourg have won it five times. Do you know this? But n- none of the people that have sung for Luxembourg were from Luxembourg, even though they won it five times. Do you know they managed to do back to back, which has never been done before? I didn't know that. <laughs> no, nope. did not that know that one. Their achievement, wouldn't it, twice in a row? Um, Serbia won it on their first. So they used to, when they were Serbia, Montenegro, obviously they, they competed, but when they competed as an independent country in 2007, they won it straight away. Rolled in, bowled in. That's how we do it. Did they? Nice. Strange you, know, we talk, you know, we were talking about performers earlier. You're not allowed to have any live animals on stage with you. Seems, seems sensible. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got an actual like favorite one, a favorite little takeaway? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, I can tell you my two guys one topic takeaway. And it's sort of linked. I said this a couple of times. This must have really stuck in my head from this week. That the axe being unknown, and it's completely passed me by that a previous winner who sang and competed for Switzerland in 1998 and won was the Canadian-born singer Celine Dion. She didn't get anywhere, did she? She won it. No, I mean, she didn't. She, I mean, she, she, nothing came of it, though, surely. Oh, well, well, in terms of, yeah, did she actually turn into a decent artist or not? Yeah, 200 million yeah. albums sold later or what have you. But no, for me, my one was I, it just, I was just blown. <laughs> I was maybe more shocked than I should have been that Celine Dion, Canadian board singer, represented Switzerland in 1988 and won it. Mine's sort of similar. Do you know, um, you heard that little band we said earlier about that little band, ABBA? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you, you know that tiny little band from Sweden. Um, very famously won it, 1974, Waterloo, wasn't it? That's the one. Yeah. Um, obviously, we love we love them in England and what have you, but actually scored them zero on the night. So they'd obviously watched <laughs> them and gone, nah, they ain't getting nowhere. That's rubbish. Gave them no points. <laughs> and then it went and won. Oh, dear. Yeah. Interesting topic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, you know, uh, it's going to be on TV, you know, what, when this comes out, like a week's time or something. So hopefully you can sit and watch this, throw some facts at um, whoever you're watching it with and make out like you're a Eurovision connoisseur. Are you, are you hosting a Eurovision party this year? Uh, well, being in Dubai, I can't tell you how famous it is here yet. As a moment, I have to do that at our end of year wrap up and the series wrap up. I'll let you know if it was like all over billboards and things like that. You could be flying the flag. I was I was reading that there's often a lot of um, drinking games and what have you that people do. So you can get like bingo cards for whenever you see one of the main acts flying their country's flag. Or if someone mentions ABBA in the commentary or wh- whatever it might be, there's, there's all sorts of different rules for a drinking yeah, okay. game that people then play together. Drinking with squash, though, we mean, right? Exactly. Said, yeah, and if, if you have a hangover, get yourself some milk thistle and you should be fine. <laughs> Listen to that episode we did. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. What what a super interesting topic to get into and to learn about. The the one of the most interesting parts for me is around how it all just came about as one massive simultaneous TV broadcasting experiment to see if it could work, and it's sort of grown and grown from there. So yeah, super interesting topic. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm happy. I understand the scoring. I'm not sure everyone else is going to retain that knowledge. I think I've got a propensity to remember the number facts more than anybody else. But um, yeah, great topic. But, but big news, 
that then concludes our regular set of topics for the series, doesn't it? And we now move on to the Liam choice. Yeah, baby. So I've got a choice. So from now on, like next three episodes, we're going to know ahead of time what they are. Um, obviously, I'm going to choose an episode this week. Ollie will choose. I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, Ollie will do so next week. And then our last episode of the series before our wrap up will be a listener choice. So maybe start getting some listener choice ideas to us um, if you want to add two guys, one topic. But I will announce now what our topic is for next week. Uh, Ollie has to do it, whatever I say. Go on then, hit me. So it's a simple one. Easy, mate. Easy. I found myself thinking this the other day, and I, pick, I same as normal. I picked my phone to Google it, and I was like, no, I won't. Let's just do it for the podcast. Next week's topic is pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everybody must have a pizza like once a week. What on earth? What, what, where did that come from? Give me some information <laughs> about a pizza. Because you're going to do it every week. You're going to always know something. If, if yep. You can learn it. I can just keep throwing it out every single time. So we're going to learn about pizza this week, please. Um, Ideal. All over it. That sounds good to me. I like that. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our Eurovision Song Contest episode. Get your listener choice into us as well or contact us with any of your plans for Eurovision. Get in contact at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We will be back with you next Tuesday, but until then. Get out there and share some Eurovision Song Contest knowledge.